and welcome back to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown. After all, everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or you can share consolation with others. Today's episode is an interview with Ed Joseph, the author of the book, The Mystic Next Door. And this episode is called The Lifeguard. And what is what? What are you hoping? What am I hoping to give you, the listener, through this this episode? It's really just to hear Ed's amazing story and to see that the spiritual life is is all around us all the time. And so, this podcast is is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda, was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three of the visionaries. And the warning, she said, was not just for Rwanda, but for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary, as she asked? It only takes 2% of your day. Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? And the first seven episodes of the podcast, the EverybodySuffers.com podcast are seven separate full recitations of the Seven Sorrows Rosary to help you get started. So let's pray to the Holy Spirit in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say. Make me forget whatever it is you want me not to say, and open the ears of the audience so that they hear what you want them to hear. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I'm going to introduce Ed here, and the cover of his book shows a picture from a horrific accident that he was he was in. Ed, welcome to the show. I'm super glad to have you. How are you doing? Carl, thanks for having me. I'm doing doing great. I, I appreciate it. And uh, the, my dogs decided that uh, they liked the prayer and came in excitedly <laughs> while you were praying. So if you hear panting in the background, that's my that's my dogs. <laughs> so, yeah, doing great. All right. So I know those of you in the audience want to hear about the accident and how Ed survived this when even, even the... Um, what is it? The junkyard owner looked at the vehicle and said, no one could have survived that. But that's going to be in another episode. In this episode, I want to, I want to share, I want to invite you to listen to Ed share about his life before the accident. Ed, you had an amazing experience early on in your life that was an introduction to the spiritual world. Can you tell us about your experience? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was a I'm a cradle Catholic, born and raised, and uh, yeah, I always believed that you know God placed your soul in the body, and then He sort of said, "Okay, 
you, you, here's the list of rules and laws and you can go and follow that. Uh, and then at the end of your life, we'll see how you did. And like, that was the interaction. And we, we prayed to him and, you know, sometimes you'd answer and sometimes you wouldn't. That's, that's kind of what I looked at life. Um, and he was going to show me that, that that's, that's really the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, you know, he showed me eventually that, that, that moment that he's holding your soul and he places it in you, he never lets go. His hand stays on our souls every moment of our life from from before conception and and, and he's still there, you know, after death. And so um, I, I didn't know that. And um, it, it, go, it goes back to, you know, th there's even times earlier that I don't write about when I was a, just a small child, one particular instance. But this one, uh, this lifeguard story, uh, I was like 15 years old, 15 or 16. I just got that job uh, lifeguarding at a open water beach on a big lake in uh, in Pennsylvania. And, you know, uh, uh, during the summer, we would get, you know, seven, 8,000 people would come. And then on weekends, maybe 10,000 a day. Uh, and it was one of those days. It was absolutely packed. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of screaming. Imagine it's, it's a massively big swimming area. Um, and I hear screaming and, you know, that that doesn't even really make sense because everybody was screaming. But, you know, something was different. And I look way out in the water, out in the deep part. And there's a little girl looking at me screaming. And so I jump off the chair and I, I uh, you know, run in the water and I swim out to her. And, you know, she looks like she's probably seven or eight years old. Um, and the water is, you know, well over five feet deep, way over her head. And as I get close to her, I see that she's holding an elbow out of the water. And it's, I can see as I get closer, this elbow is like purple. It's like the most sickly color. And I realize that there's a submerged body in it. So I, I grab that, I grab that elbow and I, I, I swim it back into shore. And, and it's a little girl, another seven or eight year old girl. I place her on the, there's a gentle slope leading from the water up to where the, the parking lot and the, and the beach house is. And, uh, and I, uh, I place her head up, you know, you think that's the way that it would, would go. And, and, and I start doing the clearing maneuvers, ABCs and, uh, you know, she has no airway. She is not, there's no air coming in and out of her. So I do the clearing maneuver and I push some water out of her mouth and uh, out of her stomach, you know, and, and I, I go to breathe again and nothing. And man, I'm absolutely panicked. Nothing that I'm doing is helping this girl. She is, she has no pulse. Uh, she's not breathing. She's a, a sickly color purple. She's not even blue. She's beyond blue. She's like this really weird purpley color. And, you know, in my mind, I, I, I scream out, uh, help me, God, help me. And a voice very clear, it, just in the back of my mind speaks to me and says, place her head by the water. And I, I, I yell out again, help me, God, help me. And again, the voice repeats, place her head by the water. And this continues on. And I'm absolutely desperate. Nothing I am doing is saving this girl. And every minute, I have no idea how long she was underwater before I got to her. But we're several minutes into this now on the shore. And, and, and I'm getting nowhere. And finally, I, I give out one last panic. Help me, God, help me. And that voice grew firm. And it said, she is full of water. You cannot get it out yourself place her head by the water and let the slope help you drain the water out. 
And so I stop. It makes so much sense. I stop and I, I go to pick her up. A, a park ranger and another lifeguard had come down and, and he put his hand on, on my shoulder. And he's like, Ed, you got you to keep you got to keep doing CPR until help gets here. And so I like, I scream at him, you know, that I need to put her head by the water and let the, let the, let the slope get the water out. And so he helped me pick her up and move her around. And, and then I, I do the clearing maneuver one more time. And like this, just a river of water starts coming out of her mouth. I can't believe how much water I would have never been able to get that out of her. And, uh, and, and as I'm doing that, as the last little bit of water comes out, she coughs. And it starts crying. And you're like, you know, that's like music to your ears, right? Because they would teach us in lifeguard school that if they're coughing, they're breathing. So leave them alone, right? You know, as long as they're coughing, they're breathing. And and, and she just like turned this just pink, like instantly, like all the color came back into her. And the ranger scooped her up and took her up just as the ambulances were coming. And you know, I, I just realized at that point I rolled over and I sat on my butt absolutely exhausted. And a, a whole crowd had gathered around, like thousands of people gathered around. I had no idea. One person after the next started putting their hand on my shoulder and saying, oh, you know, nice job. Good job. Oh, you were so calm. And and, and I thought, what was that voice? I wasn't calm. I didn't save that little girl. It was that voice. And I'm like, what was that? So after I collected myself and rested for a bit, I walked up to the where the ambulance were. And just as I got there, the, the ranger turned and he, he started walking towards me. And I thought, I owe this man an apology. You know, he's a grown man and I'm just some punk kid. And I, I was yelling at him in front of a thousand, you know, 2000 people. And uh, he, he walked over and reached his hand out, and shook my hand. And he said, uh, hey, you did really, you did great. You were so collected and calm. And I said, oh, I got to apologize. I'm I'm so sorry for yelling at you. And he said, what do you mean? You never yelled at me. You, you were so calm and in charge. You were 100% right. We needed that slope to get the water out of her. You know, nice call on that. And, you know, and then he walked away and I, and I thought, I didn't make that call. And I, just, I felt like a fraud. You know, and then the amazing thing about it is, you know, I, I thought, what, what was that voice? And, then, and that was it. And maybe this is the beginning of where I, I can look back now and I can identify the spiritual battle. See, God works in our lives every moment of every day. He does things like that to us all the time. And we take it as we call it coincidence or, or chance or, or whatever. And, and, and then we just discount it, right? And I, I can remember, like, I told my parents that I saved a little girl that day. And that's really all I told them. I didn't want to tell them about the color because the color really kind of scared me. What she looked like was scared me. I was just a kid, you know. Um, I, I'm a grown man. And if I saw a little girl that color now, I'd be, I'd be afraid too, because, you know, it's just not natural. And, and I, I didn't tell anybody. I eventually started dating my wife a little a year or two after that. And, and she asked me if I'd ever saved anybody. And I told her the whole story. I told her about the voice and, um, I didn't tell anybody else. And, you know, maybe I didn't tell anybody else because I thought people would think I was crazy. Maybe. Maybe I didn't tell anybody else because a little seed was planted by the enemy, because that's what he does when God does great things in our lives. When he when the hand of God works and it's just apparent that it has to be God, the enemy comes in and he plants a seed, a seed of doubt just to make you, you know, no one will believe you. Don't say anything. They're going to think you're crazy. Right. And how often do we listen to that voice? I listened to it for decades. 
it would end up that, that voice, you know, the God was preparing us. You know, we think God is just working in our life today for today, maybe for tomorrow. But see, he's not. See, I was 15, maybe 16 years old. And when I was in my 30s, I, I would hear that voice again. And it it was a vo that voice was saved another child and it was my own. And for his, for his privacy, I won't I won't share that story. But I, I will tell you that that voice was truth. And because I had heard it before, because I knew that it spoke truth, um, the voice told me to go against all medical advice and that my, my son would be lost. That was what we were told. My son was lost. And, and the voice told us to go against all medical advice to save him. And I told my wife that the voice spoke to me again. And so she believed as well. And, I, and we... And we listened to the voice. We went against all medical advice. And my son was saved. He, he's a healthy boy. He has a career. He went to college. And um, he was not supposed to make it. And had we listened to the doctors, he wouldn't have. And I'm not, I'm not bashing doctors. Just sometimes mistakes are made, right? And, and, and a mistake was being made. And this voice knew. And it saved him. Um, and my son works in the church. He's a music director at, for a Catholic church in southern Indiana. Yeah. So, um, but I would ultimately hear that voice again, and it, that voice would save me. And that would right. And that's for our listener, just to let you know, you're going to hear about that voice in another episode, and and it's just it, it, the story is, gets more amazing. But um, but Ed, thanks for sharing that. And and I think there's several things that we can draw from this that are lessons, and. And one of them is, and it just occurred to me now, after, after reading about your story, after talking with you about it, nothing happened until you said, help me, God. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, funny, I didn't think about it before. Um, I, in the story, as this story progresses, I'm, I'm going to be in a place of eternal regret. And... Um, I would have been there forever until until I resigned and I said, there is nothing I can do to save myself. And I gave up trying to save myself. So it's funny, I never really put that correlation together, but um, I, I would have spent an eternity in a, in a place that was like hell had I not had I not stopped thinking that I could save myself. And, and that's why prayer is so important, because just like throwing three-pointers for basketball or whatever, and, and in practicing basketball, you're trying to build up the muscle memory. By prayer, you're trying to condition your soul to always be calling out to God. And, and that's why, you know, the, the, um, the Israelites prayed the all 150 psalms every day. And there's psalms in there that are psalms of praise, or psalms in there that are psalms of desolation and crying out to God. But the, the reason for praying, and the reason for praying different prayers is to prepare ourselves for different moments so that we can call out to God for help. Another thing about your story. So prayer in itself, God created us uh, unique from all other creatures in that while all creatures can communicate in one form or another, 
God has allowed man to have language. We communicate in more ways. You know, for example, my dogs are in here, right? But 99% of how they communicate is uh, through body language and facial expression and, and growls, right? But, but God has given us the gift of language, like we're speaking to each other. Not only are we speaking to each other, we don't do it out of necessity, such as the animals do. We do it out of pleasure. I'm enjoying my discussion with you. And the thing is, the listeners are listening to a podcast because they like to listen, right? We, we crave it, and we crave it because God placed that spark in our hearts. And the reason he placed it is, is because he wants to communicate with us always, just like we would have our spouse or our best friend with us in a room, right? How, would we just sit there for days and not say a word? No, we have a love for those people. We, we want to converse with Right. And that's why God created this language for us, because ultimately he wants us to converse with him all the time. I do it when I'm washing dishes. I do it mostly when I'm doing the things I hate, because I know Jesus had to do those things, too. I imagine Jesus probably had to wash dishes once or twice in his life. And he probably didn't like it because, you know, most people don't. And and um, I think about it. I talk to him about it. I'm like, how did you know, I think I ask him questions. How did you? How did you wash dishes? Right. You know, like um, it, it, it cha changed your way of prayer. Of you know, if we're only talking to God, calling out to him when you need it, we're missing. The, we're missing the best part. The best part is to talk to him about everything. Right. And that's the that's another of the lessons to draw from this story is that the spiritual world is real. God is always active in our life. And if we're not careful, this is really one of the most important lessons from the story, I think. If we're not careful, we can miss it. Because, because Ed, that story is firming your mind, right? But do you know the name of the girl? Never met her. I think about her all the time. I wonder. I would love to. I, I, you know, I tell my story, and I tell this story when I, you know, I, to, your, to your listeners. I give my talks away. I give my books away. I want to come to your church and your prayer group. I want to tell the full story to you. So find me on the website once we talk about that. But, but I, I pray that someday, that that little girl says, "Oh my gosh, you know, I drowned at that lake." You know, my parents told me I was dead. You know, I, I would love to meet her someday. Yeah, and so the lesson is, number one, she doesn't know that there was a spiritual aspect of her life being saved. And she might know that she almost drowned one time. But, she, but you know, because what I, what I heard you say, yeah, you, you didn't, you were reluctant to share that. I don't blame you. I, I, I totally get that. But then out of that reluctance, then she wouldn't know. But, but here's the other thing. That happened when you were 15 or 16, right? Did that memory stay with you through your 20s and your 30s? Yes, I never forgot that. And I, but the funny thing is, is I, I, I never forgot it, but I never talked about it. Because that little seed that was planted that this was crazy, sort of what stuck. So, like, I never shared it until... Until I heard the voice when I was in the hospital, and I knew. And the, but what I mean is the experience and the memory of that, did it keep you in a, in a state of mind where you're always aware of the spiritual realities? Did it, did it keep you close to your faith? At that time, um, 
that was not keeping me close to my faith. I really didn't know what it was. I really didn't. Um, I didn't know what it was until after my car wreck. And then I knew. But I can tell you this. Everything that I did, everything that I didn't know, look, I, going into this car wreck, I was, I was the most uneducated Catholic that was out there. I would, I would, I would, if you're a wagering man, I would lay money that I was less educated in our faith than everybody else in the world. Right. I, I was poorly catechized. Uh, and, and that wasn't, that was, that wasn't anybody's fault, but my own. It was just something that I didn't, I went to church and that was it. That was it. That was my obligation. I went to church. Uh, and that's, that's the lesson that I think is important for us to draw out and for our listeners to catch. The spiritual world is real. God is always active in our life. If we're not careful, we can miss it, or we can completely forget God intervening in our life. I think about the, the image, I think it was Steve Martin in the movie where he's saying, you know, God, if you could give me a sign, anything, just give me a sign, and you know that the fireplace burns up and the lights start flickering and the lamp starts spinning and the whole house is shaking and then it stops and he says, anything, and just give me a sign. And God's giving us signs. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, that, you know what, that was me. I mean, as we progress through this story, we're going to see that I had more and I had more signs than the average person. But I'm also the more stubborn than the average person, and I'm I'm so thankful the Lord has patience. But you you you've talked about this, and it's something I want to add. Um, I used to think that God, like I said, set us up and and um, and then let us go to see how we did on our own. But that's not how He works. God is with us every moment of every day. The Creator of the universe knows us down to a sub-molecular level, right? He doesn't just count the hairs on our head. He sees and knows the molecules that those hairs are made of. And not just for me and you, but for 8 billion people. He understands the the workings of the universe down to the subatomic level, right? All of it, all the time. He reaches across from outside of space and time. He reaches out and he touches and holds each and every one of our souls. Look, I can feel it. It's a blessing left from the wreck. I can feel him holding my soul right now. And there are things that he has shown me that it, he makes it known that it isn't just me. He shows me these things for all of man to know, right? So he is holding your soul and everyone else's soul in this world, whether you believe in him or not. He is touching and holding you right now. And Isaiah talks about it. In Isaiah, he talks about how God will hold you in the palm of his hand. I mean, I know exactly, like, <laughs> I know what Isaiah is talking about. Right. And Isaiah agreed that it wasn't just him. It was all of us. And man, I, if I can do anything to my story is to convince people that God is real. He's tangible. He's a physical, spiritual being that touches us in a physical and spiritual way. It's not just prayer and thought. He's physically holding us. I think one question that our listeners probably have is, you, here you are, you're on this beach, you're with this girl, you're, you're working, you're physically working hard, you've got all this pressure, there's thousands of people standing around, there's your boss, you know that her life is, is on, the, on the brink, and you hear a voice. And the question is, was that voice a voice that you heard like you heard other people around you, 
Or was it a voice that you heard? How did you hear that voice? So it spoke in my mind. It was in my mind. It was at the back of my head. I, I, you know, it's weird, but the voice, I, I knew it was at the back of my head and it was not my voice. You know, when we think our thoughts have a certain sound in our head, right? And we're used to our thoughts. This was a foreign voice. This was not that thought. It wasn't like it was my thought, right? Now, I, it was, it was an actual voice and it was a voice, um, it, However, our however the um, the physics and work in our mind of you know we hear a sound wave it vibrates in our ear and our brain converts it to sound right that's let's say that's how it works this uh, bypassed the ears but it was converted into sound so it was like literally um, it wasn't a thought how could it be a thought I was in sheer panic I mean I was in absolute sheer panic I was screaming I mean when I, I mean I'm not kidding I wasn't like saying help me God help me no I mean I was in my mind screaming help me God help me right like I was screaming and then this voice calm and steady right and so another question that our our listeners might have and and then I want to wrap up and and save more for our next episode. But another question they might have is, well, how come I never had that experience? And I think about the book of Job, and God is saying, look at Job, he's, he's such a good guy. And the enemy of Job's soul says, oh yeah, but if he were suffering, he would curse you. And God says, well then, go ahead, try it. And And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, Someone might think, hey, Ed, how come I never hear voices like that? But nobody ever says, how come, how come God doesn't allow the devil to afflict me? You know? And the point is that God has a normal way of working with us, but there are cases where he has a special way of working with us, and it might not always be the same. But your story points to the reality of the spiritual interlocking inner, uh, with physical and that God is always present in our life. Yeah, it, real quick, I have, I've thought about this. I get asked this question a lot. Um, why me? I don't know. If it were me, I would have picked somebody else. Just because I, if, if you want to, why wouldn't he pick Bishop Barron, right? He, he, how many millions of people follow Bishop Barron, right? And why doesn't Bishop Barron have a vision like this? He already has a network in place. He has, right? Bishop Barron gets on and tells a story. It's around the world in seconds. Everybody knows it, right? But yeah, God doesn't work that way. And I look at it, it like this. And, and why God picks the people he picks, I don't know. Only he knows. Um, but I look at the world. Again, this is a metaphor. Imagine that you were... We were all in a prison. It had very high walls. We were born in that prison and we're going to die in that prison. We've seen nothing outside of those walls. There are no windows. There are no doors. You're just in this prison. And all you know, your whole life, your whole world is that prison. And then every once in a while, the Lord places someone in that prison that sort of works like a window. And when he stands up against the wall, you can see through that wall and you can see that there's a world infinitely greater outside of it, right? And so why does God make people like that? Well, he makes them like that so that we can see through that wall, 
so that we can see that there is actually another world that's better, bigger, and more beautiful, right? Yeah, that's that's the allegory of the cave, right? That's that's from Plato. Yeah. So, thanks so much, Ed, for sharing your story, for uh, making yourself vulnerable, for for you know not keeping it to yourself. And we're we're all looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you, the listener, for joining this podcast. The next episode is going to be epic. So just, I just want to ask our listeners, who can you share this episode with? Send them this link and tune in for our next episode. This has been Ed Doza with The Mystic Next Door. We're going to have, we're going to hear more from him in the next episode. And I'm Carl Brown with the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. After all, everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. And even if you don't email me your prayer requests, I'm going to be praying for you. My hope is that through this podcast, it can help you make sense out of suffering or, or help you to bring consolation to others. So, Our Lady of Quebejo, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. And we will see you in the next episode. God bless you.